heard Matt did a great job preaching last Sunday, and uh, it's great to, for you guys to hear from our student and kids director and other staff members. While I was in Orlando, we were packing up, and um, I was doing pretty well from my Achilles tear, and, uh, and uh, I was, thought a great parenting moment as we were in the parking lot packing up, and I was like, my oldest was sitting in the front seat, and I thought like it would be a great idea to teach her how to put it into drive. She's 13, and moved the car forward a little bit, so I asked her just to put her foot on the pedal, put it in drive, and just let it inch forward. Well, she just let her foot off the brake and went flying across the parking lot. And uh, so I'm not supposed to be running or sprinting, and I did just that to stop her. And uh, I, I was having trouble walking the last couple of days, but I think I'm all good, no major damage, but just, uh, man, not feeling too great with my foot. So if I'm hobbling across the stage, it's just because of that. We're back in uh, fundamental mode with my foot again, but it was great just to see sunshine. Like this morning when we woke up and there was a snow covering (laughs) in the beautiful spring weather of Michigan. Amen? Uh, So that's why I'm so thankful for places like Florida and others where we can get out of here and uh, wait for the beauty to come in Michigan. And it's coming, hopefully. Summer in Michigan is amazing. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait uh, just to be outside in the outdoors, go fishing, do some fun things. But unfortunately, that's not now. And uh, we're going to be here and warm together as we open up God's Word. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. Luke chapter, sorry, Luke chapter 9, excuse me. The last number of weeks, we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke, looking at um, a number of different meals that Jesus had with people in his life, whether it be Pharisees, his own disciples, a great mass crowd of people, as we'll see today. As he is interacting with people, something significant happens throughout the Gospel of Luke and the other Gospels around a meal. And so as we're processing getting closer and closer to Easter, and even on Easter, we'll look at another meal that Jesus had with his disciples. As we're looking at these different meals, we entered into a series called Meals with Jesus or Soul Food. When eating becomes more than a meal, or a meal with Jesus becomes more than just food, as he is dining with other people, and today is no different, as we look at probably one of the more famous meals in all of the Gospels that Jesus has with his disciples. And so as we enter into this topic of food, just to get you a little distracted, thinking about food, and like, man, okay, now, Jimmy, you have to hurry so I can get to my afternoon lunch and meal together. If I just ask you, like, what is, what is your go-to meal or even a restaurant? What's your, what's your most satisfying meal? Think about that for a moment. Or restaurant you go to because you're like, I just got to go there because it is my place. And when I get done eating there and this specific dish, I leave full and satisfied. I know you have your place. Just think about that for a moment. Now you're all like, oh man, I wish I was there now. Well, in Orlando, uh, whenever we go down there with our family, we have a place that we go every time. Maybe you've been there before, down in Disney Springs. We go there very specifically because my, my oldest daughter, Addison, and my wife are both gluten-free. They can't eat anything that isn't because it gives them migraines and such. And so we go to this place called Raglan Road. You ever been there before? Many people, it's a great place. People dance on the counters, and it's really cool and fun, and the kids love it. But we go there very specifically for one specific meal. Anyone know what that is? Fish and chips. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. (laughs) Right? We go there very specifically so that my oldest and my wife Sarah can have fish and chips because they have amazing gluten-free fish and chips. 
And we leave that place, like we did this last week, just full and satisfied. Like, I mean, you leave there, there's no room for dessert, you are fully satisfied, you're leaving, your stomach kind of hurts, but it's a good hurt, amen? Like, I mean, I come from a Baptist background, that's a good hurt, okay? We like to eat growing up. And it's amazing, you leave and you just feel like good, but bad, but whole. Fully satisfied, you can't eat anymore. You feel amazing at the same time regretful, but you feel great. And it's amazing when you look at Scripture, when you, when you look at it, have you ever wondered why is it such an amazing thing to eat? It's one of the glories, one of the, the graces that God gave us is the, the pleasure of food, right? Anybody else with me on that? Am I the only one who likes to eat? You can tell. It's just good, right? When you look at Scripture, when, when we eat it, and you eat in good food and special food and soul-filling food, it leaves you full and completely satisfied. There's no more room for any more food. And it's amazing. This is, this is profound. We don't often think about it. But when you look at Scripture, it's woven throughout Scripture, the creation of things that fully satisfy us, like food and the experience of eating that is meant to point to something greater. Do you know that? That when I leave a meal and I am done eating and I am full and I am completely satisfied, do you know what that's pointing to? It's a pleasure and a grace of God that points to the fullness and the glory and the pleasure and the filling and the satisfaction of Christ. It's pointing me in that direction. It's a, it's a pleasure of God that he's given to us pointing in that direction. You ever notice it in the Psalms? I want to read a couple for you. Psalm 63, David is praying before God. He's worshiping God, and he says this, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. That was Psalm 107, excuse me. Psalm 63, he writes, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. It's almost as if the psalm writer, in my own, uh, my own phrasing, my own translation, the Jim Dalkey translation, I would have is meant to teach us and show us the thing, the person that will ultimately only fully. With his disciples, it's surprising. You might have heard the story, and I, I hate rushing through. God is to you other things, other blessings that God. Are I just want to declare to you this morning, no matter who you are, I don't care what it looks like in your background, fully satisfied all those who want to come to him to find that in him. And so we're going to look at the story in Luke 9, and I'll just tell you, this, this story has great significance within my life. If I was to pick out a, a, a life passage, the scripture on the screen as well, but let's read uh, verses 10 and 11 uh, together. This is what it says. On their return, the apostles told him all they had done. They're speaking of Jesus. The apostles, I'll tell you in a moment, they're just getting back. They tell Jesus all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they see them leaving, they followed him. And Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured all those, or cured those who had need of healing. Pretty tired as you're doing it. You're in a lot of travel. You might be sleeping in an area that's a little uncomfortable. What is it? What the disciples have been doing? Jesus sends them out with his power 
a powerful story and says, you now have the power to do what I've been doing. I want you to go and I want you to share the gospel and I want you to heal people in my name and I want you to cast out demons in my name. It says the apostles, man, they're sharing their stories. That they're, man, these are, this is what happened, Jesus, and this is how it happened, and blah, blah, blah. And they're just talking about this as they're on their way to Bethsaida. So they're traveling, they're leaving, they're along the way. And part of their goal was just trying to get away, get some privacy, some alone time away from the crowds. Because if you haven't read the Gospels, when you read the Gospels, Jesus, no matter where he is, there's a crowd of people that are clamoring, leaving. We need to go with him. We should follow him. Now you can imagine the disciples. They're probably like, oh my word, we just spent several days, weeks going out and doing mission. We've already done with all these people. Like, we just have like some time alone. Like, we don't want this. And like, they keep following. But did you, do you read what Jesus does? They want some time with Jesus. I'm leaving. It's interesting. Like in my early, I'm, I'm a people, I, I get filled up by people. I love Sunday mornings are my favorite time. Like, hey, how's it going? What's up? I just want to catch what's going on in people's lives. And my, my wife, Sarah, is always like, just calm down. Like stop scheduling so many things in our lives to go and be with people. I just love people. I want to be with people. doesn't matter what's happening. I want to be there. I have FOMO. Like I always want to be with other people. It's interesting, my early days of ministry here at Woodside, I would do things all day and Sunday. It'd be like early on when we planted this campus, it was student ministry in the mornings. And we would something, there, there's something holy that I do after this. It's called a nap. <laughs> and Sarah knows now that like my life has kind of changed. I feel like it's because I'm old. I'm one year from 40. And um, I feel as though now more and more, I get filled up by people, but man, when I'm doing this, and I'm, you know, it's amazing, I love it, please know that I love this, afterwards, I'll be downstairs, and praying with people, and hearing from people, and knowing what God's doing, and like, hey, can we meet this week, because I have this going on in my life, and that's why I don't give up my address, and uh, (laughs) then you're just there at my front door, pounding on the door, but Jim, we want to just talk to you, and I'm sending Sarah out, like, just hide, we're not here, like, that's what they're experiencing, they're overwhelmed, they're tired, and they just want to be alone. They want to be away. That's kind of where the disciples are. They're like me on a Sunday afternoon. But did you see what happens in verse 11? I love this. When the crowds laughed, they followed them. Did you see what Jesus does? He welcomed them. He, he received them. He opened himself to them. He began to teach them about the kingdom of God and, and healing all who were sick. You see that Jesus is never too tired to welcome all those who seek him. You know, Jesus was just like us. He was a man, fully God, fully man. He got tired. He was overwhelmed, but he was never too tired to welcome those, to minister to those who who needed him, who sought him. Never. You see it all throughout the Gospels. And I wonder, have you ever, (laughs) do you have those people in your life, you ever had people, you're like, man, they're so exhausting. Hopefully they're not sitting next to you in church this morning. I can't take them anymore. I just can't today. I'm so exhausted. I'm sure you have those people. We all have them. I wonder if, if we haven't ever thought about that like with God. Like, oh, you, you ever wonder if God thinks of us like that? Okay, Jim, it, it's been like 20 years, bro. You're still struggling with the same thing. I just can't today, Jim. I'm just too overwhelmed. I've been dealing with too many other people in your church already. I just can't with you today. You're, you're just too much for me today. 
You ever wonder if Jesus is like that, if God is like that to us? What's beautiful when you look at the scriptures is Jesus doesn't grow tired of ministering to us. The beautiful thing about God is he never gets overwhelmed. He never gets tired. He never has that feeling within his heart like, not again today, Jim. Like, I can't believe that you are on the same road again and I have to meet you there again. I'm just over it, bro. I can't do it. I don't think God says bro, but that's just me. No, no, the beautiful thing we see in this moment is that Jesus is welcoming, he's hospitable, he satisfies us, and he lets us know he accepts us right there, loving us no matter how exhausting we may be, amen? That, that, that that's the God we serve. He is never too overwhelmed by those who will come after him and seek him. And I just want to pour that into you today. No matter where you're coming or how much you've been struggling or what you're walking through, you will not exhaust the grace of God in your life. You will not exhaust God. God is so good, so great, so big that each day as I walk through my troubles and what I need from him and walking with him, he is never exhausted by me. It's amazing. And beautiful. But not only that, look as he jumps in verse 12. Now the day began, the day began to wear away. So they're not escaping. This is like an all-day affair. And the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we've got no more than five loaves and two fish. We've got nothing unless we are able to go and buy food for all these people. For there were 5,000 men. It says men, so there's probably more like anywhere from 15, maybe 1,000 or more, 20,000 people, a lot of people. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. You see, Jesus is, is again, we see here is Jesus is never powerless to provide for all those who need him. He's never powerless. It's amazing. The crowd's left. They're following Jesus. They're on their way to Bethsaida. So we, 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 we think we understand that this happened somewhere between where they were and Bethsaida, probably in the middle of nowhere where there's not food or lodging. That's why he's saying, hey, it's getting later. Send them off. And the day is growing close to an end, and it's time to eat. Anybody else get hangry? And people are probably getting a little grouchy. And they're like, hey, it's time to eat. Hey, we've had enough of this. Can we just send them away? They're very practical in their solution. Like, let's just send them away. They get some lodging. They get some food. And we can be on our way. It's late, Jesus. Let's move on. It's time. It's been really fun. But it's time to send everybody away. We're in a desolate place. And then he deeds them. And I love Jesus' response. In verse 13, he says, Hey, you guys give them something to eat. Just imagine for a moment. We pass this stuff all the time. You're sitting there. There's, we know 5,000 people. That's a lot of people, okay? Then maybe probably more like 10,000, 15,000 people. It's a sea of people, okay? And they're hungry. And, hey, they got nothing to eat. Jesus, Jesus is like, go feed them. And like, what? Is this a test? What's happening? What's happening here? Like, no, go feed them. It's often... Amazing. That's why context is king in the scriptures. You have to know where, what's happening before and after. Remember what I said happened just before this? They go out. They are loving life, man. We have the power of Jesus. We are able to cast out demons. We're able to heal the sick. We're able to, to share the gospel. And people are coming to follow Jesus. Isn't this amazing? And right after that, this happens. It's almost as if I think Jesus is pushing back on them. You thought you were hot stuff. Go. 
Man, you got, you got the same power I have. I've given it to you, all authority to go. When you cast out demons, you can't feed these people? You did all this powerful stuff you came back and told me about. Here's some people that are physically hungry. Engage. And the disciples are just on a practical level here. They respond like, we have no more than five loaves and a couple fish, Jesus. Can we send them away? There's like 5,000, 10,000 people. I feel like there's this phrase that comes to mind. It's like, for me, when I read this, all I've got. All I've got, Jesus, is just this. Jesus, what are we supposed to do with this? It's a scarcity mentality. We only have this little group of, little basket that a boy gave us, and one of the other passages tells us, and Jesus responds. I love the way he responds. <laughs> have them sit down in 50, groups of 50. So just, I, I'm not good at math, but just divide that up quick. That's a lot of groups, okay? All spread out. And it's almost as if Jesus says, sit down and watch this. I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you something unbelievable. If you guys don't think you have enough, then you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who you're with today. It's almost as if Jesus is like, do you not remember as young, good Jewish boys remembering how the people were in the wilderness and I provided manna for them? Do you forget about that? Do you remember I am the God of the universe who provided quail to the same people? Do you forget that? This is who you're with. This is who, whose power was given to you. And here you are saying, I don't have enough. It's like Jesus is saying to his disciples, you don't think you have enough because you don't know who I am. Have the people down, sit down, and I will show you who I am. He's never too limited. He's never too overwhelmed to satisfy, to provide for all those who are actually in need. So I have to ask you, like, for you today, as you think about Jesus, who is Jesus to you? Do you have a limited, small version of Jesus in your life? Because I'll just tell you, when I, the more I'm growing in my knowledge of Jesus is Jesus is a king. Jesus is a king who provides for his people like a king. And the gospel declares that Jesus is the kingdom. He, he brought about the kingdom. The kingdom is near, and he provides for the people in his kingdom without measure. It's overwhelming, as we're going to see, there's baskets left over at the end, that Jesus is never too powerless to provide for his people of all who are in need. Your perspective matters. I said this, this passage is significant in my life because um, if I could just be just super honest, maybe vulnerable with you today, like... Oftentimes, people will say to me, like, man, you just feel like you're really comfortable. I'm not saying this in a boastful way. I'm saying this to tell you where I've come. Like, you're just really comfortable up in front of people. My kids even say, like, Dad, I have speech. Like, how do you do that on Sundays? And I, and I tell them, that has not always been the case. It's actually been quite the opposite. When I'm, I, I, I ran from God when God wanted me to be in ministry. Part of the reason is this. Like, man, when I was a kid, I never wanted to, to stand up and talk in front of people. I remember the first time I ever preached was in... Pensacola, Florida, on the, on the base there, the military base, at a place called Boys Base. We used to go to minister to these kids that were in juvenile delinquency center. 
every Sunday afternoon, play basketball with them. And I just love to go and be there and hang out. I'm a relational guy. I talk to people. And I'll never forget, I'm a, I'm a pastoral ministry major in college. And they're like, hey, Jim, we want you to share the devotional. I was like, no. They're like, what do you plan to do with your life? You're going to college for this. And I remember it was horrible. I'm not sure they understood anything I said. I remember the first time I preached to an audience was in North Goodland Baptist Church and Emily City, and I stood up and I shared a message that I straight up ripped off from Louis Giglio. <laughs> it was like word for word. Well, I'm just going to say what he said. It sounds pretty good. I was so overwhelmed and scared, and over time, I began to, for wrong reasons, I'll just share a short version, I began to prove myself wrong by going after, I'm going to do this. And I began to do it. And then it's amazing what God does. Uh, a couple years ago, and there's been a numerous times in my life where God's kind of broke me. A couple years ago, I went through a significant season of just some, some personal wrestling or being overwhelmed. And come to find out through the last year of counseling and sabbatical and all these things, that a lot of it came from, at the end of the day, me running without God. God was powerless to do what I, he had called me to do. So I had to find the power within myself to do what God had called me to do. You see what I'm saying? And you can only run without God so long to where you have kind of a breakdown, where God breaks you like he did the bread to give it to the people. And it's in the learning of walking with Jesus many years ago, I learned the great principle for my life of a little boy who had more faith than the disciples, who brought his lunch to Jesus and said, Jesus, here you go. And a principle that I live by now is a, a little in the hands of Jesus is a lot. And my life of what God has done in my life and the places he's brought me has been that principle of me starting and thinking like, God, you can never do that with me. I am not good enough. I, I have too much brokenness. I'm not powerful enough. I don't have the gifting. All these different things to the point where Jesus is breaking you down year after year after year and moment after moment showing that he is powerful enough to do exactly what he calls you to do in your life. Did you know that? That whatever it is that God's calling us, whatever we're meeting Jesus in, he has the power to take us, to bring us through it, to walk with us, and fulfill all that he's called us to do. So when he looks at the disciples and they're like, we don't have enough, that's the same thing I wrestle with. I don't have enough, Lord. I'm not good enough. I'm not gifted enough. I don't have enough. And Jesus looks back and says, I know you don't. I am enough. I am enough. And that's what he's showing to the disciples here. And perhaps you're here today or you're watching online and you've believed the lie of Satan to say that Jesus is not powerful enough to deal with the problems in your life. Jesus is not powerful enough to, to do the things that he's called you to do, to walk with you in the season that he called you to walk. And by product, Jesus has probably become to many people in this room a functional savior to get to heaven But when it comes to the big problems in life, the deep stuff, there's no supplement. He's not there. So we, we go on this journey of creating Jesus plus this other work, this framework, Jesus plus framework, that we then begin to live by. And we believe like Jesus is, 
good enough to save me, but he's not good enough to really make me happy in my life. And so, man, I got to chase after wealth and satisfaction in my career or whatever it may be because I have this framework, Jesus plus something else because he can't fully satisfy me. He can't fully bring me to a place here. Or we run to other people. Or we run to whatever it is for you, Jesus plus something, because then Jesus' power is not powerful enough. He's powerful to save me from eternal separation from him, but he's not powerful enough to to meet me in my day-to-day, in the satisfaction of my soul. And whenever we have Jesus plus framework, our lives then, in our lives, then we don't actually believe Jesus is powerful enough to actually provide, to do the things that we live. We're believing something else. We believe that Jesus is actually quite powerless and actually not enough to do whatever I'm calling me to, he's calling me to do in my life. And so I just ask you this morning, what areas of your life do you see Jesus as powerless? And you're believing the lie that something else will, will bring about power, whether it's in yourself like it is with me in certain areas, or it is something else that you think that will bring you more satisfaction like Jesus is a great functional savior. He saved me from all my past, present, and future sin. The blood of Jesus was applied to me. Hallelujah, that's awesome. But he's my savior. He's over here. He's not over here powerful enough to be all-encompassing in my life. So I'm chasing after X. He's not powerful enough to satisfy me. So I'm chasing after a spouse because I'll never be whole single. I'm chasing after financial freedom because he's never satisfying enough because I need more stuff to be fully satisfied, whatever it may be. Can I just remind you, he is powerful enough to fully satisfy who you are and what he's called you to. And I love how it ends. Look in verse 16, the actual function of him feeding them and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them, these, this meal and then he broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples and set them before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied, because that's what Jesus does. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Now, did you see what it says? There's like thousands of people in groups of 50, and it says that he broke up the lunch and they just set it before them. Like, what? Little, little pieces? Like, what's going on here? Like, how, how did this happen? And we see here that Jesus is never too limited to satisfy the hunger for him. Jesus is never too limited to satisfy the hunger we have for him. All hunger him. You see, Jesus says to the disciples, have everybody take a seat. And he speaks this word of blessing over the meal. I love it. Just like his divine voice spoke the world and creation into existence, he now blesses this food and it multiplies. And the way it's worded is super important, and you maybe not get this by a general reading, but in the Greek you can see it. It says that Jesus gave the food to the disciples and set it before the crowd. Now the word, the, the word gave here in the Greek is didomai. It's the imperfect tense. Now what that means is it carries the idea of something that happened in the past and continues in the future. What it means is that it kept happening. The giving of bread and fish kept happening. 
What he's saying is, is how did it happen? There's, there's people in groups of 50 and here Jesus is. Jesus has a, a basket and he breaks it and he gives them and he fills a basket. Take that one. And they kept coming back. Can you imagine how many groups it is? We just in our mind lose our imagination. It wasn't they all sat down and like, boop, everybody had food and like, good day. It was awesome. This was a process of the disciples coming back to Jesus. I need more. That group hasn't been fed. And here Jesus is just breaking it. Thank you, Lord. Then placing it in a, in a basket, breaking it. Thank you, Lord. Filling another basket. Go set this before those people. Oh, they want seconds. No, there's no seconds in multiplication. Jesus is like, are you kidding me? I'm the God of the universe. And he keeps breaking and kept giving and kept breaking and kept giving, kept filling baskets, kept filling baskets and kept filling baskets. Why? Because you will never exhaust God. He will never be too limited in satisfying the hunger that you have for him. Never. You will never arrive in a place where you've read all of scripture and you fully understand it and you're like, God of God, see you in heaven. But a ton of Christians live like that. Then I figured it out. I got it all together. No, he'll never be exhausted. He's never limited in what you need and how you'll run after him and your hunger and thirst for him. They all ate and were satisfied. And there was 12 baskets left over be collected. It's almost like an exclamation point in the end. You remember who you were talking to? You remember who you're with? I'm a God of access. I'm a God that can fully satisfy in an abundance. You see, that was my view of God. My view of God for so many years was a very limited view of God, that God is limited in what he can do with my life. But can I tell you, that's not God. That's not the God you read of in Scripture. The God of, in Scripture is a God, who's a God of abundance who will always supply all of our needs. And I wonder for us, how often do we view Jesus and his greatness in a limited supply? The way we function Can I just tell you, when you go to other places in third world countries and you see what God is doing in unbelievable ways, I am fully reminded that the mission that we often do every day here is oftentimes limited. It reveals that we are hoarders of the unlimited grace of Jesus. And we often believe in a limited God who is unable to do what he says he's doing or he's going to do. The book that we asked you guys to read during this time in your groups, or if you're not in a group, we're judging you, but that's fine. Uh, The book you're reading, (laughs) I'm playing. Tim Chester says that in the Meals with Jesus, he calls it a theology of leftovers. I want to read an excerpt from it. I think it's amazing. He says this, the day is coming when he will give them, as he gives us, another impossible task to proclaim the repentance and forgiveness to all nations. He's talking about this passage, kind of what he would say to the disciples. What can we do? Jesus asks us what resources we have, and he asks us to have faith. 
the day the disciples took home 12 baskets full of leftover food. The impossible task was not only completed, but was overcompleted. And those 12 disciples are now 2 billion disciples and counting. The disciples thought their five loaves were a finite resource that couldn't be shared. 5,000 people later, they still had 12 baskets full of bread. Can you reach your neighbor with the gospel? Can you have the courage to tell your friends about Jesus? Can you start a new church in a city? Can you feed 5,000 people with five loaves? We could never do that. We don't have the money or people. Jesus says, what do you have? Offer that to me and let me use it for my glory. So I ask you, how do you see Jesus? Because the way you see Jesus will determine how you live. It will determine how you function. We have to be reminded that Jesus gave us himself so that we could share him with everyone and show him that he is enough. But before you can share that Jesus is enough to other people, Jesus has to be enough to you. And maybe your lack of sharing that Jesus is enough to other people is a reality that we must wrestle with, that perhaps Jesus is not enough to us. That we think he's limited. We think he's powerless. We think he's not satisfying enough. Because if that's our belief, that's, our belief, that's where we are, I'll tell you, we will... It will keep us from sharing the incredible news that he is more than satisfying enough. That he is all-encompassing. Perhaps we need to taste again and see that he is good. That he is satisfying. That he is filling. Like coming out of a restaurant from your favorite meal and feeling full. So I ask you again today, do you hunger for him? Do you long to be satisfied by him? If not, man, before we head into a time of Easter, we come in this room and we celebrate that Jesus rose from the grave and he is amazing and unbelievable. We worship him on that trajectory, on that road before we get there. As we're going through this series, I just compel you to wrestle with the question, is Jesus enough for you? Is he satisfying to your soul? Because as we compel you to invest in other people's life and then invite them on Easter Sunday or invite them into your home and invite them into your life, people will see quickly what you're most satisfied by, what you have the most faith in, what is the greatest desire in your life. And I'll ask you, is it Jesus who is my Savior? But then there's these other things that fill me, satisfy me and give me power to live everyday life. I pray in this room, as I've already shared with you myself, as the pastor, I struggle with this. We all do. We're human beings. But I would compel you as you leave this place to do some soul searching that where is your soul? Is Jesus something that satisfies? It's a longing of your heart. You long to be with him. You're not here out of some rudimentary early on, like, hey, I went to church my whole life and I go to church on Sunday. Or Jim makes me laugh occasionally. 
No, I hope you're here because, man, you've been with Jesus all week and you can't wait to come into this place and scream from the top of your lungs the songs that edify Jesus and hear again a small portion of who God is and be filled and leave this place like a restaurant after fish and chips and you feel full, but tomorrow morning you should be hungry again. I just wrestle with that. To where we are with the Lord, the Lord is so good, he will satisfy all those who come to him. Are you coming to him? Are you longing for him? Are you walking with him? Because he is a God that is so good. He is so powerful to satisfy and fill us for all our days until one day we stand before him and we're satisfied for all of time. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. What a day it is for us to be here today to declare who you are, to celebrate who you are. And God, I just, I just thank you for the story of the feeding of the 5,000 because the impact that's made on my heart and my life that you can use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. You can use broken people like me to be used for your kingdom. You can use weak people like me. You can use self-serving people like me. You can use broken people like me and like all of us in this room. And God, you are, as we already heard today, you're not limited. You're not exhausted. You're never overwhelmed by us. And so God, I pray over that one person as I feel like the Spirit of God is leading me to do in this room today that feels like you are exhausted by them. Can you just remind them this morning as I look out today that you're not exhausted by them, you love them. You're, every day when they wake up, you're glad to see them and hear from them. And you're not limited in your grace to meet them in that place. God, may you bring us to a place that we are satisfied in you, longing for you and filled by you until your kingdom comes fully. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.